Hello, this is Mr. Galley from GCSE English Revision Pod with a quick message for you. If you want even more English Revision Pod in your ears, you can now subscribe to our premium service, GCSE English Revision Pod Plus, where for the price of just over £2 a month, on top of all the amazing free episodes, which will continue to be free and there for you to use, you can also get a selection of amazing bonus episodes on things like Macbeth, A Christmas Carol, Romeo and Juliet, and all your favourite topics covered in the depth and detail that you are used to. If you are interested in getting even more GCSE English Revision Pod, all you've got to do is click the link at the top of this episode description, where you can subscribe to GCSE. English Revision Pod Plus. Hello and welcome to GCSE English Revision Pod. I am joined as ever by my good friend and kind of digital buddy these days, Mr. Forster. Hello. It's funny, I, I never actually see you in the uh, in the flesh anymore. All I see is these little sort of wavelengths going up and down on my screen as you record into your computer. And I think I prefer it like that. I think uh, I think the um, the little sort of the little timeline and watching you speak is far more preferable to your to your actual company. Do, are, you, are you happy with that? That's very sad because I still see you in my dreams, Mister Gully. <laughs> All right, I think uh, I think that's a good point, as good a point as ever to get into um, today's episode. So we hoped you enjoyed the new handout format last week. As I said, we will be very soon publishing a winner onto Twitter of people who are sending us in their paragraphs. We're going to do exactly the same thing this time. So with our question on Macbeth, we are going to um, start you off by giving you a paragraph basically exactly as we would write it in the essay. Then for our second paragraph, we are just going to give you the quotations and you can turn that into your own paragraph. And for our third and final idea, we're not going to give you any quotations, but we are going to give you some clues as where to go looking for them, and you can turn that into your own um, your own fantastic bit of writing, hopefully. Does that make sense, sir? Yeah. So we're looking today at an extract from Act 1, Scene 2 of Macbeth. Um, <clears throat> we're looking at the uh, one of the crucial moments structurally in the play where Macbeth is talked about before we, we see him on stage. And here is, is the, the bloody man, the captain, who's appeared before the king, Duncan, to give him news of the Norwegian invasion, attempted invasion, and the, and the, the rebels and how Macbeth right. has and the qu- defeated them. The, and the question is on bravery, right? And I think what's interesting about bravery is the different ways that Shakespeare deals with it, because at the start of the play, bravery is seen as a virtue. You know, it's, it's through Macbeth's bravery that we're introduced to him. And that's what we're going to focus on with the extract, how brilliant Macbeth's bravery is and how much that makes him a real asset to his king Duncan right but as the play goes on we see this really kind of paradoxical presentation of bravery because on the one hand Macbeth's bravery fails but in another hand he draws on a different sort of bravery I'm getting ahead of myself a bit but I think what I want you to understand is that 
what we're doing is we st- we start off the essay in quite a simplistic way, and then we move on to a much more complicated and interesting presentation of bravery. Well, the crucial thing when we look at a question like this, which is um, how does Shakespeare present bravery in Macbeth, is is understanding precisely what we mean by that term bravery. And I think early on we're going to look at a definition of bravery that I think Macbeth ascribes to, that's almost entirely synonymous with with um, with heroism on the battlefield. Before actually ultimately considering Macduff as a foil, looking at moral bravery. Looking Looking at actually, um, what does bravery actually mean? Is it simply being a good soldier? Is it simply being a bloody executioner? Um, mm. Or is it more than that? So let's look at our, as our thesis statement. So the extract is the, <clears throat> the captain talking about Macbeth. And I think it's a really crucial moment. So for our thesis, we've gone with, with this. Initially, just to they... say very quickly before you start, uh, if you haven't, if you're new to the podcast this week, make sure you click on the link to the handout so you can follow on with everything we are doing that's just in the description of this episode on your yeah. podcast app. and we also include all the key vocabulary that we're going to cover in case there's anything any gaps yes so our thesis which is our overall argument and as we've said on every podcast these this is i think the most important part of your essay in the 45 minutes you have in the exam you've got to set up what you think shakespeare is saying about bravery so if you simply say shakespeare uses many language techniques present bravery in many different ways it's a totally meaningless statement yeah i've read read many of them in my time unfortunately but yeah it it is always ask yourself what is he saying about the theme the question will never be does this thing exist in the play They, they will never ask you is there any bravery in the play they want to know how bravery is dealt with and represented. Yeah, and never talk about micro things like techniques and things. Focus on the ideas, the big stuff. So this is our thesis. Initially, Shakespeare seems to present bravery as one of Macbeth's greatest qualities. Even before he appears on stage, he is defined in the words of the bloody captain by his heroism in suppressing the rebellion and defeating the invading Norwegian army. However, as the play progresses, we see how masculine expectations concerning bravery can lead to incredibly dark choices in terrible places, with Lady Macbeth's emasculation of her husband functioning as a catalyst for his eventual regicide and subsequent tyranny. It is also interesting that whilst the act of killing ruthlessly on the field of battle is initially framed as a quality to be celebrated, Shakespeare ultimately deconstructs such notions of bravery to explore the consequences of living without the moral courage to do the right thing. Right, good. I like the way that's set out. I sent you that this morning. I noticed you've improved it quite a lot since I sent you the original version. So uh, very well done there. Um, but yeah, what we're what we're take it apart saying... a little bit. I think this is quite a complex argument. But yeah. yeah, go on then. Take it take it apart. No, no, you start off. So, so the I, initially it it, from the knave to the chops, basically. Oh, what, what a lovely here, metaphor. I mean, so, our argument is that initially um, bravery seems bravery on the battlefield, and that's what we see in this extract. Yeah, we we see a a soldier who, no matter how bad the odds were, no matter how much things were stacked against him, he continued to fight. You know, he continued to fight, and we get the feeling that he would have died for his king without a moment's thought. Right? He would have he would have seen it as the most natural thing in the world to die for his king. Yeah, I think what's kind of really interesting about the play is the way that the Shakespeare then takes this concept and complicates it, because we then actually say Lady Macbeth takes this very notion of bravery being part of masculinity and uses this to guilt him into murdering um, Duncan. And that's something we're going to explore in this essay, actually how her emasculation, so that means making him seem less of a man, making him seem effeminate, is actually mm. part of this catalyst, this thing that speeds up his decision to become that's where it gets interesting isn't it where bravery is used against him and we actually see that acts of violence can become acts of cowardice and fear rather than the acts of glorious bravery that they are at the start 
Shall we then go into our first paragraph? Yeah. So um, what we've said here is in this extract from Act 1, Scene 2, Shakespeare presents bravery as a wonderful quality. It is, as the bloody captain reports, the reason Macbeth is so valuable to Duncan. Yeah, so there's this, I think there's two kind of parts to this paragraph. One, about the way in which this scene builds up a sense of the power of the Norwegian army and the threat Macbeth faces. Faced. Mm. And then the second about his response, his bravery in the, in the face of such a threat. Well, initially, of course, it's the rebel army, isn't it, that's described by the captain's yeah. first part of his, uh, his description and the Norwegian army comes after that. Yeah. But yeah. So the two armies, they're described as two spent swimmers that do cling together and choke their art. Mm, really, it's a horrible image, it? isn't it? Yeah, because it's the idea of both armies struggling swimmers, choking, drowning, pulling each other down into the water. Yeah. It, so Macbeth, straight away, the, the, we see Macbeth's bravery because the metaphor highlights how horrific the battlefield was. You know, this idea of no one is winning, two people are dragging each other into this horrible death. And then furthermore, we then have the enemy, MacDonald, described in this really quite frightening way, yes? Yeah, the multiplying villainies of nature do swarm upon him. So you've got... Right, pick that apart. Yeah, I mean, the zoomorphic verb swarm, suggestive of a plague, you know, um, the the idea that, he, that he's plagued with villainies, that these these villainies that, as you, know, if you suggested earlier when we were talking about this, are like devils or demons kind of rushing up to support him. Um, but also the idea of his army swarming around Macbeth. It's a quite an evocative image that, that portrays the, the, the real threat that Macbeth is facing. Yeah. If you, if you Google, um, if you go on YouTube and look up plague of locusts, right, you'll see what it's like when, a when a huge, almost wall of insects come in and eat all the, eat all the crops in the area. And I think that's the image that they're trying to invoke here, isn't it? That this, this army just seemed to be rising up and rising up. And Macbeth was almost in the middle of this storm of enemies and not just any enemies, enemies that almost seem to have a kind of supernatural quality to them. Yeah. And I think, and then this is then juxtaposed with Macbeth's bravery because the audience yeah. is told how disdaining fortune with his brandished steel, which smoked with bloody execution, like Valor's minion carved out his passage till he faced the slave. And then right, obviously, I like the, the idea of his sword smoking here. That's a really powerful image, isn't it? Yeah, because I mean, it's worth unpacking this in the exam. The idea that why is his sword smoking? Because of course it's a, sco- a cold Scottish day and blood is hot. His 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 sword is steaming with the hot blood of his of his enemy. Mm. It's an incredibly kind of visceral, a powerful, gory, <laughs> bloody image that is graphic. I think that's the crucial thing. He doesn't simply say he fought his enemies. It's this graphic description of blood and violence. And once again, we have failed to get through a podcast without mentioning the word visceral. So nice to, <laughs> um, nice for long-term listeners to hear that coming around again. I thought there was perhaps something quite nice here of the idea of like his sword smoking. Obviously, yeah, like you say, the heat of the blood smoking on the cold Scottish day. But also I wondered if that almost suggested how little these deaths meant to him you know in the same way that smoke just disappears into the air i wondered if metaphorically because macbeth is so brave and such a brilliant soldier the lives of the people he's killed are also disappearing like smoke you know there's no he gives them no more consideration than that he he kills and destroys as easily as if it is just smoke burning up out of a fire yeah, and certainly the idea of him as fire spreading through, burning everything in his path, and the idea of him him killing them not in a in a in a fair fight, but as an execution, does imply his power and his heroism 
in battle. Mm. But for me, the thing that really jumps out is this idea of him as Valor's minion, which is kind of echoed later when Ross calls him Bologna's bridegroom. Bologna being Valor is another word for kind of bravery and honour, yeah. isn't it? And a, and a minion in, in, in the Renaissance was a favourite. Um, so yeah. I think here it kind of genders Valor here as a woman, something that's certainly picked up with Bellona, the goddess of war. Um, yeah. The idea in both cases, it's the idea that Macbeth is somehow married to this concept of bravery, of honour, or, and, and that this is kind of tied up in notions of war. It, it's it's it, certainly I, I think it picks up on an interesting kind of gender presentation in the play. That actually, in many ways, actually it is Lady Macbeth and the witches who challenge these gender expectations, who 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 are a catalyst mm. for them to do these terrible things. But also just shows yeah. the extent to which he's fighting not for Duncan, but actually for this abstract concept of bravery itself. And equally important for our students to understand that Minion does not mean the little yellow things out of the Despicable Me films. No, that would be no. a, that would be a, a a crucial mistake to make at this point in time. I think no, I mean, it means but a yeah. favorite or someone he's beloved of. So he's beloved yeah. of, of of Valor. Yeah, so he's like uh, Valor's he's, personified here, almost as his lover, the right hand man of the very concept of bravery and honor. Mm. And I think then this crucially, this is this is the thing that makes Duncan call him valiant cousin, worthy gentleman, and makes the captain refer to him as brave Macbeth. The idea that yes. bravery in medieval society of 11th century Scotland is actually somehow synonymous with violence. It's synonymous with the ability to commit violence, to be violent. Yeah, very much so. So we come out of that first paragraph, we come out of the extract thinking, yeah, this is a brave guy. This is someone who... Not only is a brave guy, but we shouldn't be questioning that bravery in any way because all that bravery is bringing is success and glory for his king, right? So not only is he brave, but bravery itself is all good at this point in the play, right? Yeah, so let's look at the second step in our argument because I think this is where it becomes a bit more interesting because it is, moreover, precisely this idea of bravery being tied up in Macbeth's sense of his own masculine identity, which enables Lady Macbeth to emasculate her husband and convince him to kill the king. Right. So actually the idea of Macbeth being defined by his bravery, being called Brave Macbeth by the captain, you know, is actually very much what Lady Macbeth plays upon in Act 1, Scene 5 and Act 1, Scene 7, when she's convincing him to kill the king. Absolutely. So this thing that has carried him through the battle suddenly becomes his kind of Achilles heel, becomes yeah, his weakness. So, so he in Act One, Scene Seven, he initially is decisive that he he decides it against regicide. He says to his wife, "We will proceed no further in this business. He hath honoured me of late, and I bought golden opinions from all sorts of people." So the idea, I mean, the look at the modality of "we will." So a modal verb is a, a, a type of verb that you add to another verb, an auxiliary verb, to decide how certain something is. And he says, "We will proceed no further." So the strong yeah. modality of this, there's a sense that he's decided. He is it's almost as if he wakes up, isn't it? It's almost he comes out, he's like, what is this madness? How have I even entertained the idea of killing my friend? No, this, this isn't going no further, right? And yeah, I think there's a crucial then structural point we could make that obviously Shakespeare's writing here an iambic pentameter. So there's five beats in each line. It goes da-dum, 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 da-dum. And Macbeth finishes here by saying, not cast aside so soon, which is three beats of a five-beat line, which gives his Lady, Lady Macbeth the chance to interrupt him. 
Because she says, mm. was the hope drunk wherein you dressed yourself? Hath it slept since? And wake it now to look so green and pale at what it did so freely. From this time, such I count thy life. Love. So when she says, was the hope drunk? She's actually finishing his line of iambic pentameter. She's interrupting him. Something that shows her power over him. And the fact this is immediately followed by suggestion of his lack of bravery. He's green and pale. He's he's somehow feminine because these are things that are associated with virginity, with um, with womanhood. Um the suggestion that actually she's having this power over him, that his bravery is nothing in the face of her um, yeah. ambition. And actually, the, to her, bravery can only be about the self because the bravery he showed in the extract was essentially bravery for another, right? The, the bravery he showed on the battlefield was bravery for Duncan, his king. Macbeth didn't stand to, to lose or gain personally from the war in the same sense. He was fighting for someone. But as far as Lady Macbeth's concerned, bravery can only be in forwarding yourself and improving your own situation. Do you think that's fair? And, and more important than that, being willing to commit violence. Yeah, being, being willing to... violence becomes a tool of self-advancement. Yeah. Uh, and... Under her watch. We see this in how she emasculates him. She, she first of all calls in the poor cat in the adage, which is, of course, referring to the apocryphal story of the cat that wants fish but doesn't want to get its feet wet. So it's kind of zoomorphically suggesting he's not even a, a human wanting to do this. And then she even says, when you dare to do it, then you were a man. And to be mm. more than what you were, you would be so much more than man. What do you make of that? Well, I think she she's, like you say, she's showing that deep knowledge of her husband, right? The The sort of idea that his manhood would be incredibly important to him so you were a man when you dared to do it and to be more than you were you would so not only would you dare to do it but in daring to do it you would become more than you currently are so not only is she implying that he's not a man if he doesn't do it I think she's also subtly implying that he's not enough as he currently is because you need to be more and of course being more in this particular case means becoming king so it's almost a double emasculation yeah. right be so much more the man the repetition of man there constantly reminding him that in not doing this deed in not he's being no brave. longer enough he's no yeah. longer enough for her and remembering our question the crucial thing here is that this makes bravery entirely synonymous with masculinity um, absolutely and, and, and brave also of something a narrow can... kind bravery in terms of ambition bravery in terms of violence yes but that things us pretty much perfectly onto our third paragraph, right? So again, as we did last week, we're not going to, um, we... We might oh, touch oh, upon, oh. I think we'll touch upon certain things, but we'll, what we'll do is we'll, we'll ask some questions and push you towards some ideas and leave them open for them for you to really trace this in your own notes and perhaps actually even respond by writing a paragraph. If yes, you, and like you, we said last week, if you email us those paragraphs, we will announce the winning entries on Twitter. So please send us your work. Uh, we'd very much like to see how you're getting on. Yeah, so our final paragraph we want to go, by the end of the play, Shakespeare deconstructs this narrow definition of bravery, both through his depiction of the moral courage of Macduff and Macbeth's own descent into madness and paranoia. So that's, kind of, that's very uh, very different to the one I sent you earlier. I'm going to let you take over here. Well, there's kind of two points, I think, here. I think the reason I want to bring in Macduff is because I think he's very much a foil to Macbeth, a foil being a character who's set up deliberately as to, to counter or to balance another. And the reason I think that is because, of course, as we've seen throughout the play, Macbeth's notion of bravery is tied up very much with this idea of 
being a, a bit being able to commit violence whereas Macduff's notion of bravery is quite different and the bit I want to talk to you to um, is in act four scene one I'd like you to go back and have a look at that really carefully because Macbeth in this scene Macduff in this scene is told that Macbeth has killed his children and his wife and his res- his response oh, sorry in act four scene three yeah uh, his response is actually to think about um because uh, Malcolm says to him so Malcolm is, is says that he should dispute this news like a man and Macbeth Macduff Macduff takes issue with this. He says, first of all, he must feel it as a man. I think um, so. That's in Act Four, Scene Three, and I really encourage you to go back and think about this. What actually how Macduff's notion of masculinity and his notion of bravery is more of this emotional bravery. He embraces emotion. He embraces morality. Things Macbeth lacks, and actually his bravery is to face Macbeth knowing what a monster Macbeth is, knowing what he's done to everyone that he cares about, um, and not being afraid of his own emotions in a way that Macbeth is. So it's it's quite a different notion of bravery from Macbeth. So I think it's really and 500 years later, uh, 400 years later, sorry, it's still relevant, isn't it? Because, you know, the the idea that men do not interact successfully enough with their own emotions is often linked to the fact that, you know, suicide being the biggest killer of men between is it 18 and 35 maybe? I'm not sure yeah. of the exact ages, but the idea that Macduff has the bravery to face his own emotion and that for him is bravery, I think is, is, is still a message that's interesting today. Yeah, particularly when we contrast this with Macbeth, who in Act 4, Scene 1, his response to the witch's last prophecies about Macduff is that he will um, give to the edge of the sword his wife, his babes, and all unfortunate souls. You know, his response, you know, look, think about the violence of Macbeth's language in Act 4, Scene 1, and contrast, and that unthinking, unfeeling notion um, that isn't, isn't even brave here. He's no longer killing yeah. soldiers, he's killing innocent women and children. Because actually as well, because the witches have also said things that would have allowed him not to worry. Because they, you know, they, or at least he thinks so, right? Because they say none born of women may harm Macbeth until um, Dunstan Wood doth come to, etc., etc. Yeah. So the things the witches say imply actually you've got nothing to worry about. But they do say beware Macduff. But he had a choice, didn't he? He could have read their prophecy as no one can hurt me. I've got nothing to worry about. But instead, he uses it as an excuse to exact this terrible violence on undeserving people. And yet, I think the final kind of point to think about here is to look at Act 5, Scene 5. You know, Macbeth is so tied up into this narrow notion of what bravery is that his final kind of wish when he's speaking with an appropriately named character called Satan, spelt S-E-Y-T-O-N, and it's worth thinking about the connotations of that word mm. in Act 5, Scene 5, um, is, is he, think about how he wants to die. He wants to die with harness on his back in armour. He wants to die mm. an act of bravery. It's, a, it's, it's the only it's the only thing he has left at that point, isn't it? The only thing that he he's almost come this full circle where he's been ruined as a moral character. You know, he's killed, he's killed his friends, he's lost his wife, and the only thing he can fall back on is this initial idea of bravery. And yet, I mean, what's the point at the end of the play? You know, what what does that bravery achieve at the end of the play? I would argue nothing. Yeah, and I think that brings us quite nicely to our conclusion, which is thinking about what's the play warning us about the dangers of seeing bravery purely in terms of the codes of violence and masculine honour so prevalent on the battlefields of early modern um, England and Scotland. I, I think, think that's why there's quite a nice shape to this essay, because you do start off paragraph one with an incredibly simple notion of bravery. Then Lady Macbeth comes in and shows you how that simple notion of bravery is trade upon and manipulated. poisoned and manipulated. Right, but it's still that same idea of bravery but then in paragraph three we say well actually look Shakespeare's showing us that there are different versions of bravery and perhaps Macbeth's mistake 
was only viewing bravery as one single thing. And that was what ultimately contributed to his destruction. Yeah. Well, I think that's our essay, uh, Mr. Galley. I think it is, isn't it? So you may contact us on Twitter. We are at G Revision Pod. You can email us at uh, English Revision Pod at gmail.com. Is that right? Yep. Yep. And you can find all of our podcasts and handouts completely free on our website, englishrevisionpod.co.uk. Thank you very much for joining us. Those of you who went back to school today, we hope you survived your first day back and we will see you again very, very soon. Mm -hmm.